Oh, hello. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook. Be sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bo Brock. Man, oh man, do we have a loaded, what is this, Thursday show in late February with a ton of news coming from the Arizona Cardinals' new head coach, their growing coaching staff. But Bo, I want to start with Michael Bidwell, team president and owner of the Arizona Cardinals, making what seems like very telegraphed rounds to just about everywhere. But this show, Michael, welcome. We'd love to have you on the show. And coming up with a lot of insight that I think Cardinal fans are going to find interesting and maybe a little thought-provoking as we enter the offseason. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Obviously, what they've been craving, right? They want to hear a status update, a true status update of their franchise quarterback, Kyler Murray. And then he kind of gave us even a little bit more. I don't think we ever got our uniform answer yet. Maybe we'll get that. Uh, as he said, we're going to we're gonna ask that question next week we'll in Indy. But as far as what's going on with Michael Bidwell, yeah, making the rounds, doing his kind of his media appearances for the flagship, talking to his guy, play-by-play, uh, Dave Pash, who's got a great podcast where he has – you know, guests from owner Michael Bidwell to Bill Walton, who he does play-by-play with at the college basketball level. And I thought the insight was uh, was invaluable. I mean, as far as yeah. what we got from Bidwell on the podcast that dropped yesterday, it's the pa- it's the Pashcast, right? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, and there were a bunch of quick hitters. He also was on 98.7 earlier today. Um, so I think a lot of these talking points are similar. But we just we put aside a couple here that I, I want to make sure we cover. And of course, the the very first thing that's on everybody's mind, and, and you had an opportunity to speak with Jonathan Gannon about this earlier today, is that mm-hmm. Kyler Murray could in fact return earlier than midseason. So we initially got those reports that it was going to be mid to late next season. There is yeah. some, you know, trepidation with the fan base. Maybe he'd miss all of next season. Michael Bidwell is basically saying, hey guys, we're cautiously optimistic that, you know, of course there could be a setback, something could happen. But right now, he's ahead of schedule. He's ahead of schedule. He's a fast healer. And they expect him, Bo, back at some point earlier than midseason next year at this rate. I mean, giddy up. Buckle up. Got to be excited about that. But we talked to Dr. David Chow, didn't we? The uh, former Chargers doctor and a guy that uh, pretty much keeps tab. As far as social media goes, he's your MD, right? He's the guy that anytime a big injury happens, he's first on social media diagnosing it figure out, you know, what's the timetable look like? Will this player be the same? How serious is the injury? And he told us on Radio Row a couple weeks ago, it's like, yeah, Kyler Murray could return way earlier than midseason. He could could come back week one if he wanted to. And that's on the heels of the report from Ian Rappaport saying, you know, Kyler Murray, he could miss half the season. And is he going to be the same quarterback? He's going to make sure this thing heals perfectly. It's like, yeah, he could get back week one, and he could be a pocket passer, and he could be a shell of the athlete that we know Kyler Murray to be. And Drew Petzing kind of talked about how he would utilize Kyler Murray, the athlete. Uh, but, I mean, as far as what David Chow said, is he's like, yeah, he, he could heal quickly. He could go mm-hmm. through the rehab, and he could be back week one. But I still don't know, is that the quarterback that we know that we've seen play uh, at, at a high level and have that elite athleticism, I still don't know, even on the comment about the comments from Michael Bidwell. Well, and I think you want to make sure he has full grasp of the offense, first and foremost. This is an offense that, by and large, and Michael Bidwell spoke on this, that he didn't say something to the effect of it put too much pressure on Kyler Murray, but Kyler Murray almost had like too much 
responsibility when in the shotgun where everything had a run pass option and it didn't basically he said a bunch of words that basically implied Kyler Murray was not up set up for success in Cliff Kingsbury's offense and what they're going to try to do and we'll have an opportunity to hear from Drew Petsy a little bit later on in the show is they're going to simplify things they're going to make it a well-oiled machine for Kyler Murray to inherit and hopefully that leads to some bootlegs some him playing under center a running game that's more revamped for the first time in a long time. I would be cautiously optimistic if I was a Cardinal fan because we all, I think most of us thought that Kyler Murray would attack this rehab the way he's doing it. There were some people out there that thought he'd sit on his couch and play video games and count his money, but no, no, no. I mean, there's a piece of information that we got from Jonathan Gannon in the presser today. I don't have the clip of it, but I'm just going to, uh, I'll spoil it if you haven't heard it. Basically saying we have that Gannon, we have, we have the clip right now. Well, we have we have one of the clips where he kind of gives an update about Kyler Murray. Well, while joking around about playing hoops. This this is what he had to say to start things about the conversation about this franchise quarterback. I mean, he's 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 the franchise quarterback for a reason. He's committed to uh, doing his job, so um, he he does what he needs to do to put this team in a position to win. And uh, ultimately, that's what I've really noticed about him through a week and a half now. And it and it takes time. The one re- the one question about relationship and things that takes time. You know, you got to build that trust over. It's not just like, hey, Kyler, I'm your head coach. Trust me. You know what I mean? So, um, I think all the relationships with all the players and the coaches, as we just started meeting with staffs and things like that, it takes a little bit of time. But what I what what keeps what keeps um, oozing through this guy is his competitiveness and you know and and that's a different form of competing what he's doing right now you know we've certain guys have been there certain hasn't but it's it's a hard road you know and you have to have the right mindset to do that and um, that's that's what I've been impressed with so far is just the competitiveness he has in him talking a little bit of football with him the competitiveness he has like we need to get this right because we need to do this to win. You know, that's that's what I like to hear from, you know, your your quarterback. And that's what the fan base likes to hear is that their franchise quarterback is working as hard as he possibly can to get back onto the playing field as quick as can. As you said, his head coach, Jonathan Gannon, and that was more of like a, a clip about, you know, earning each other's trust. But he's already seeing Kyler Murray and his competitive nature and how he's attacking his rehab. Here's more of an update from Jonathan Gannon on Kyler Murray and his rehab process. What kind of update have you been given since he took over on Kyler's status and what his return would be? I mean, he wanted to play play me one-on-one today, so I don't know. I guess he's doing pretty good, but uh, and I will beat him in one-on-one. <laughs> but um, no, he's doing great, and uh, I get some updates. He's, he's, he's doing what he needs to do and right on schedule. And, uh, you know, a little quick fact here, I'm probably airing his dirty laundry a little bit, but I'm uh, – What's today? Thursday, Tuesday. I think I walked out of the building at nine something. He was in there rehabbing, and the only reason I knew he was in there rehabbing because I went another way and I saw this nice car sitting next to mine. I was like, "Who is? Whose car is that right now?" And uh, went back in the building, and it was him. So uh, he's uh, he's been very uh, eager to attack his rehab the way he needs to attack it to get back and be in him. Just living at the facility. You absolutely love to see it because I think a big question mark, remember when Kyler Murray tore his ACL? And of course, like we didn't get too much insight from hard knocks. I'm not putting too much stock in that. Mm -hmm. But like literally there there was no footage of Kyler Murray around the team 
in team meetings, et cetera, after he tore his ACL. And it's almost like, and I'm not, I'm not saying Michael Bidwell told him to do this, but it was more like, Hey, Kyler, go and rest. We're going to get some people in here that are going to help us win. Take your time, get your surgery. We'll see it, you know, shortly after the new year. Doesn't feel like something like that happened because again, like the team meetings with Cliff Kingsbury, they had to have Cam Turner be a buffer between he and Cliff because he and Cliff basically were not on speaking terms. If you read the article from Josh Weinfuss and Jeremy Fowler at ESPN, we had Weinfuss on the show to talk about it. Like their relationship was inevitably broken. And you saw the frustration that Kyler had with Cliff on the sideline of that the Thursday night game against the Saints. It's just like that relationship was irreparable. And then right. Kyler Murray tears his ACL, and it's a sinking ship with Cliff and Kime. They're gone now, and it's almost like Kyler can take a brief, deep breath and say, yeah, I can go back to the facility. I can lead my team, and I've got somebody who 100% is behind me. Yeah, and, and like I think it's it was a very unfair at the end of the season where people would be like, well, Buda Baker's there. Buda Baker's traveling with the team. He cracked his shoulder. He didn't yeah. tear his ACL. He didn't right. have a reconstruction of his knee. It's a little bit harder to get on a plane, get off a plane, move around after you just, you know, one, tore your ACL, and then two, he had surgery January 3rd, so the, the, the regular season finale – you really want yeah. to put your franchise quarterback traveling from, you know, Dallas to AZ to, to Santa Clara. I just think that some of that criticism was unfair. And what we're starting to see is th that was all for nothing because this, this is somebody, something that Kyler Murray is taking very seriously. Yeah. And, you know, the, the previous regime wasn't, you know, willing to share for whatever reason. That's fine. I mean, it's somebody's medical stuff and that's fine. But uh, I, I think that, with that, and obviously what's in the media and what's reported about Kyler Murray, people kind of jumped to their own conclusions, and those were pretty much wrong. But to your point, it really seems like now it was like, yeah, December and in, in kind of a week into January, what was the point of being around this facility? This team was was a rudderless ship. It was a sinking ship. Yeah. This season was far. It was lost. They, they lost the last seven games. What did yeah. you want Kyler Murray there to do? Wife uh, of pom pom, yeah. Right. He, and he, and and that's he got the surgery from the Dallas Cowboys team doctors. That's who was. It wasn't. He just wanted to go home to Dallas to do it. It was because yeah. that guy's world renowned for his ability to to operate correctly, do the surgery and the procedure correctly, and get give Kyler Murray the best shot for this thing to heal perfectly. Yeah, uh, Kyler around the facility, tackling his rehab. Again, I said this a week ago, full confidence. I think he'll be out there at OTAs, hanging with the fellas, learning the playbook. Uh, and he he and John Gannon, massive chips on their shoulder, more from the Michael Bidwell hit. This was on 98.7 today that I thought was interesting, Bo. Um, so you and I have kind of gone back and forth. Like I've been staunchly opposed from trading back at number three, no matter the draft capital. I don't, I don't want to part – of ACC pass rushers, I want my SEC. This is interesting because I don't know what, what he said. I haven't seen okay. what, what he said. So so this is the first time that mm -hmm. I feel like that that could be challenged based on his comments and, and what I've heard from a, a reliable source. So this is from Michael Bidwell. Basically, number one, this is a two-parter, says that draft compensation was the primary factor the team didn't trade for Sean Payton. And he was adamant. He said it was not his yearly salary. They were not in a position with where they want to get the team to surrender the draft capital. He said they tried to talk about other options. He said, obviously, couldn't make it work. The Denver Broncos did. Good for them. He had very nice things, complimentary things to see, say about Sean Payton. And that's on 98.7. You can go look that up. Fantastic job.
But then he, this is the money quote to me that mm -hmm. he said. He basically went in detail about changing their scouting approach fully and that it won't really take effect until next college football season, but they are going to try to mirror what they do in Tennessee and New England and to a lesser degree, Philadelphia, and that a lot of like their scouting habits are already in place for this year and they're going to run a little bit of a hybrid approach. But this was the money line. He goes, we've got a lot of money tied up in a couple of positions. And he said that not flattery. Like mm -hmm. basically like, yeah, we're paying positions that should not be prioritized based on what my new people are telling me. And I took that as wide receiver. And I posted this on Twitter, 57 million going to three wideouts right now. And then I think, I think the second is inside linebacker. I've been on that train for a little while because Bo, he immediately pivoted and said, beefing up the O-line, the mm -hmm. D-line, got to get help at corner. We got to be able to rush the passer. Changes will happen over the next several years. We're going to be very draft dependent. So he said, we're not going to be able to fill everything this offseason. Right. But we're going to beef up the D-line, the O-line. We, we need a corner, and we need pass rush help. So I look at that, and I say, there's a chance, I feel like. Plus, I got a text message earlier today kind of doubling down on this. I think there's a chance that the right package comes along. You're talking about more picks this year, future picks into 2024. They view this as we need to prioritize what the big boy franchises are prioritizing, and that's what we've been speaking on. Look at Philadelphia. Yeah. They prioritize pass rush, O-line, and cornerbacks, right? Tennessee, New England, typically the same thing. The, the, the Michael Bidwell has, has seen the light with his new people involved, which, by the way, I also got this source. Michael Bidwell, and this is music to everybody's ears, is taking a step back for the football people. If you don't watch, uh, I've got that confirmed. If you watch Jonathan Gannon, you know that to be true. He is the most confident guy up there because he and his coaching staff and his GM are all on the same page. So right. the Cardinals that we know right now, have how they've been built, that's not how things are going to roll moving forward. I, I will add this, and it's not it's not an indictment on these two players because they're they're awesome players. They're probably the two best players on the defense in Boo Baker and Jalen Thompson. But as far as investing in the safety positions, it's not something that happens you know, necessarily around the league. I mean, it, it's more, you know, up front. It's in that front seven more than on the back end. I mean, how often do you hear, like, when, when you've got safeties leading your teams in tackles, it's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's great that you've got these players that are willing not only to get out there week in and week out, despite, you know, where they are as far as their health, uh, and to lay it all on the line. And in new defensive coordinator Nick Rollis said that Buddha sets the standard. But as you yeah. said, this is a couple-year thing. But where you look where the, the money is, I mean, two players that have locked into some some pr fairly high contracts and they've earned every dime, no doubt about they it, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. And, and like yeah. I said, I, I mean that is in the, in the best way possible. I just think when you look at how some of these teams are built, it's not built from the back up to the front. It's from the front on back. Well, it's like the same conversation we have about Isaiah Simmons. You want Isaiah Simmons on your team. You, right. you, you would prefer that he is on your team because he's a good football player. But how much do you pay Isaiah Simmons? How much do you pay Zayvon Collins a couple of years from now? How much do you pay a pair of high-end safeties when you don't have a pass rush, when you don't have a defensive line, when the, your interior offensive line is not non-existent right now? Those are premium positions. And I think the team-building aspect of Steve Kime, we know now, we've doubled and tripled down on this, was flawed. He prioritized positions that most teams do not, and he, and he, and he 
you know, shit hit the fan because of it. The, this right. team was not prepared to go over a 17 game season because even though they had seven, you know, great wideouts on paper, right? Undersized wideouts and, right. and, you know, inside linebackers and tweenerless, positionless defenders. That's not what most teams do. And so you've got two guys who have succeeded at the highest level. Gannon was in a Super Bowl. He coordinated the defense. Austin Ford was new, was with New England and Tennessee, two of the powers while he was there in the AFC. And they're yeah. coming and they're looking at this roster and they're saying, Michael, it's like, it's like if you're, you're, you're coming in and you're my accountant and I'm showing you my bank statements <laughs> and they're like, Johnny, $900 on a magic kit. What's going on here? What's this puppeteer <laughs> lessons, Johnny? What's going on? We need some groceries. We need, we need some bread. We need some milk, right? No, no, no. We went to the arcade. We spent $300. Right. Oh, Johnny, that money was supposed to go on, on your kid's tuition. No, no, no. Don't worry about that. That's what the Cardinals right. were doing. I got uh, I got some great Christmas inflatables that I spent just uh, a mint on at Costco. They're awesome, man. You got to see them. My house is the best during the holiday season. It's like, my God, yeah. you're 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 like you're thousands of dollars in debt, and then you're pulling a quarter from behind his ear. He's like, No, I'm going to need that quarter. Check great out my new shirt. arcade up machine, man. <laughs> I didn't pay my mortgage last month, but I got a game room now. You're not right. going to believe you it. You got a brand new car in the driveway, and you got your screen door that's falling off the hinges. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that and I would be I would love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. For Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osfort and Dave Sears, who's, who's uh, according to Kyle Odegaard, a rock star, the assistant GM, yeah. the guys who with with these deep scouting backgrounds to mm-hmm. kind of finally get in the building and see where that's all been prioritized, where the yeah. positions they're looking at, you know, the, the left the remnants. It's like an episode of The Last of Us and you see all the old shit on the walls. Right. And they're just kind of going through it and seeing who was there before. And it's just like, by God, this is this is really this like how how like absurd was it? Because it seems like it was it's pretty far off from where the new philosophy is. And it's like it's crazy how long it lasted. How yeah. long that they got away with it. Ten years. And just, and just in a month's time, they're opening the Michael Bidwell's eyes up to a whole new, better world. Right. Absolutely. It's it's insane. But again, we should applaud it because it's finally yes, happening. Absolutely. How many, how many times we're like, Steve, you got to prioritize defensive linemen, offensive linemen. Where, where's the push up front? No, no, no. We're going to get undersized players from small schools. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. What <laughs> position does he play? He plays all over. He doesn't even have a position. Right. We're so elite. We're ahead of it. I'll never forget. And again, every show we do, it's going to seem like I'm banging on Isaiah Simmons. But he just he's so excited when Simmons falls to him. He's got his his laptop on like an open tub, Tupperware, kitchen Tupperware. <laughs> and he's just saying, F yeah. And yeah. they they trotted him out like this unicorn and nobody knew how to use him. I did a hit shameless plug before the show on KOR or KOA mm-hmm. in Denver, the flagship station. And they're like, tell me about some players Vance Joseph developed. I'm like, I can't, I can't really can't. They didn't really have an equal philosophy. They would draft players in April right. and then the coaches, they would play other players. They didn't know what to do with Isaiah Simmons. So to, to me, it just, it's overdue. It's music to our ears. But again, to your point, especially with a guy like Jalen Thompson, who can play. He's an NFL mm-hmm. player. He's a starting safety. I think two years ago he played at a Pro Bowl level. What do you pay these positions that aren't valued by a lot of teams, right? Like, I, I that those are going to be very difficult. I mean, James Conner, we love James Conner. He's got a $10 million cap hit this year. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you ask James Conner to take a pay cut? I, I just, we're going to buckle up. And we said this at the end of the year. 
These, this is going to be a very tumultuous. Put the seatbelt on. <laughs> Damn it. We put the seatbelt on. We're, we're, but we're going, we're going the speed limit, Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Buckle up. Buckle the F know, up. But because we don't know what this roster is going to look like. And I, I, again, we got a super chat here that I think is very on par with the question that we're discussing. Will Monty be aggressive during free agency trades? What do you think? I think it's going to be a twofold. I think trading assets that don't fit what they want to do accumulating draft picks. And while I think they'll be active in free agency, it will not be like the big tier names. It's going to be guys to fill out the, like the middle of the roster that fit their brand, fit what they fit, fit what they want to do. They're not, but they're not going to break the bank on anybody. Yeah. I, you'd have to kind of look at the, uh, because you're seeing a lot of the talented younger players that you could lock into a controllable deal and, and probably a high dollar deals already starting to see that they're going to get franchise tagged. Like somebody like Deron Payne that you right. would still want to sign to be on the opposite end of a rebuild. Uh, it's just, it doesn't seem like it, it's possible. So why go out there and just spend money to spend money when right. you do have, you know, a franchise quarterback salary that's going to hit in a couple of seasons. And it's going to be, it's going to just start to look at, you know, how Cleveland's going to have to build their roster and how Dallas is going to have to start to build their roster. The Arizona Cardinals have to begin preparations to take on a large number at the quarterback position. This year it's 7%. So they got a little wiggle room to churn this roster and get players that can compete well better, well more than the previous season where they went 4 and 13. And I think that you'll see probably like, more quantity over quality this season just and, and it's gonna it's gonna help that these coaches have relationships i already started yeah. kind of looking and identifying you know who's available and who just simple connecting of the dots you know we, we've already done it already with petsing and jacoby Brissett. um you know petsing was the tight ends coach could he look at austin hooper to come in and fill the bridge of the gap between zach Ertz and and have trey mcbride be those one two tight ends could they get uh, Ethan Posick, the yeah. center? That's he's twenty eight years old. They don't have a center. Right. I mean, they like to me. It's like go be be frugal in free agency, except for the offensive line. If you feel like there are people that can help you right away, you can't trot out Kyler Murray off a torn ACL with a sieve on on the offensive line. You mentioned Drew Petsy, and we're going to talk about our guy Drew. I was really impressed with his presser today, Bo. But before I want to talk to everybody about our friends who are equally as impressive at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So we just got the tough news. Kevin Durant is not going to make his debut tomorrow night against Oklahoma City. But plenty of games on tap tonight, including Warriors-Lakers game, plus six. I like the Warriors. I can get them right now uh, for plus money with the money line on DraftKings. I also like the over in Clay Thompson's total points at 24.5. You can do all that more on, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code, you guessed it, PHNX. New customers can bet a mere $5. Get $200 in bonus bets instantly. You don't even have to win your bet. Throw five bones on an uh, NFL future bet, um, NCAA basketball, whatever you want to do. We've got spring training coming up. Place a five spot, $200 in bonus bets instantly. You got to use it. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook app. Only with our friends here at PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See those show notes for details, Bo. Saw a spicy tweet from our guy, GM Saul Bookman, today. He said, not only oh. would the Suns, if they played the Warriors in the playoffs, they would win the series, but not only that, they would sweep them. He's already <laughs> calling Suns in four against sure. the hypothetical series. That'll, between them that'll go well. In the dubs. <laughs> I like well. it. It's spicy. Yeah. And the only thing that's going to take that little kick out 
is some cold brews from our friends over at Four Peaks. Maybe a kilt lifter, crack a cold one. Their flagship, you got the Hop Knot IPA. How about the Joy Bus Wow Wheat? Arizona's number one wheat beer. One of my personal faves, just hanging out, cracking a beer at home, turning on the game, and drinking a Wow Wheat. You got the Sun Brew. That one's an OG beer for Four Peaks. And then you got Peach, the Golden Nail. Can't go wrong with any of the beverages there, and they've got some great events coming up. How about this weekend? You're not too late to the party. You can get in. If speed, adrenaline is kind of your thing, well, why don't you get into the Beer Can Derby? It's February 25th. If maybe you got you used to be a Boy Scout or something and you used to get into those derbies all the time, just kind of uh, turn back the clock and go win the Beer Can Derby at Four Peaks, 8th Street Pub, Pub in Tempe. You got the kit pickups. They're still open right now. So if you want to show up, you can get the fastest beer can in the Valley. Sign up through their website, fourpeaks.com slash events, but also go down there, get your kit. And while you're there, get some food, get some beer, get some great atmosphere, watch a game, then go home and then put together your, your winning beer car, your, your beer kit, your beer can derby kit. You got to be 21 years or older. Enjoy it responsibly as always. Uh, our guy Osmar in the chat, four ninety nine super chat. Thank you so much, my guy. Could you guys? And I'm going to address this to Bo because he's there at the facility, mm-hmm. you know, rubbing elbows with the big wigs. Can you guys ask Monty or Michael Bidwell if they could do a Spanish version on interviews and other things? Just because the Spanish fan base is so big, I think that that should be happening already. We would love to see right. that. I think the Arizona Cardinals do a pretty good job. That they have options uh, for Spanish uh, speakers more so than any other fan base, right? You can, yeah. uh, we had a Rolando Cantu on the show on radio row. We've had him on a couple of times and he kind of yeah. heads up that department and obviously they have the Spanish broadcast, but yeah, I mean, th- I think that absolutely they want to incorporate uh, their fans more and more. And that's a great idea. It is. And I think they have Spanish subtitles in the meantime, but with this franchise, it's changing every day. And it's, I believe it's changing for the better bow. And uh, I love the addition of Drew Petzing as the new offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. And just when you got a sense of watching him today, asking him questions, he just felt very sure of himself, sure of his relationship with new head coach Jonathan Gannon and his ability to come in and say, yeah, this isn't going to be like Cliff and Vance. And that's me <laughs> looking at it as, a, as an external, like dueling right. head coaches. Like he knows he reports to Jonathan Gannon. Shit, you watch Jonathan Gannon in these pressers. I see it in the chat, like, I'm more impressed with him every time I see him speak because it's like everybody's going to follow this guy. They can tell Mm -hmm. who's in charge, right? And so Drew Petzing's like, yeah, I know. I have a lot of responsibility on me, not only because I'm here to help Kyler Murray, but just there's only 32 of these OCs available in the world for the NFL, and I'm fortunate to have one of these. What were your initial takeaways from Drew Petzing, the new OC? Yeah, I mean, you kind of go into it, right? That He's kind of the outlier. Like, he's the offensive coordinator, right? But he, right. it doesn't he feel like he's the he's kind of a lone wolf right now. And and Gannon's doing his best to kind of rein him in. But like Nick Rollis followed him from Philly. They worked right. on the staff together. They're defensive guys. Uh, and, and then you've got you've got Petzing who's coming over, and you've got Steele who's tight ends coach, and you got a new offensive line coach. And Drew Terrell's reported to be part of your passing game and, and work as far as the coordination of that. Um, and that, and then you've got, you know, you got to add like a running backs coach and, and all that. And that would become more and more of a collaboration. But I was, I was kind of asking him, I was like, you're going to be a first time play caller. You know, who are you going to lean on as far as game planning and play calling? And he's in, and, and Jonathan Gannon's like, well, he's going to help him out with that because he was 
a first time play caller at one point and, and yeah. football's football. Now, I mean, is he going to help with, as far as what the, the offensive concepts are in the scheme? No, but he can also kind of give him his side of the things from the defensive side of the football. And Gannon is excited about, you know, relinquishing play calling duties on the defensive side. So he can have his hand in all the, uh, the coaching and, and around, around the, the, uh, the organization. So mm-hmm. um, Drew Petzing wasn't, he wasn't going to let anybody know schematically what he's going to do. He, he really wanted to play that tight to the vest and Gannon kind of joked, like I already let the cat out of the bag as far as putting Kyler under the quarterback under center more often, which he said really puts the defense at bay, but you liked what you heard from from Petzing because he was sure of himself in, in a position that I would think you would be maybe a little insecure when you're like the the lone offensive guy right now in a defensive building. But he, yeah. he remains confident, and that's that's yeah. that's a good sign. I mean, they don't have to tell me anything outside of we're going to put Kyler Murray under center. Like I, I can get on board with damn near everything after <laughs> that. You could tell me they're going to wear clown shoes. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. You got Kyler Murray under center. Uh, I'm good to go. And again. We gamble a lot here at PHNX, PHNX Cardinals, and we also watch a lot of the early game slates in route yeah. to the Cardinals playing in the afternoon, even before Bo, you know, trotted off to Glendale to cover the team during game day before our post-game show. We would watch the early games. We watch for whatever reason a lot of Cleveland Brown games this year, especially mm-hmm. early on. And I'm not just saying this because it's you know the the guy running the show with Kyler Murray. The Browns offense was way better than it had any business being. Like you think about they traded all that draft capital. They mm-hmm. had all those external noises, rightfully so, with Deshaun Watson. And here comes Jacoby Brissett on like his fifth team, and he's got a two to one touchdown interception ratio. And they're methodical, and they can run the football, and they work off of play action, and their quarterback can move. He had the highest completion percentage right before he got benched for Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's like Drew Petsing didn't want to trade for Deshaun. That's not Drew Petsing's call to go out and trade for right. Deshaun Watson. That might not even have been Kevin Stefanski's call. That was the ownership's call. So uh, to me, it's like these guys were put in a situation which was unbearable with the amount of outside noise and went out and way above performed expectations. We're way more competitive than even the box scores would indicate. So if you want any idea of what the Cardinals plan to do, while Jacoby Brissett and Kyler Murray are not the same player, they have similar skill sets in a lot of ways. Brissett's got a nice arm and he can move a little bit. I, I am bullish on this. I think that Cleveland is absolutely the model of what the Cardinals should want to do, mm-hmm. predicated on the run game early and often. Like, you get Kyler Murray back maybe 12 months from now, and he's cooking all cylinders. He can move like he used to. Integrate that. You know, we'll probably see the best version of this offense. I hope I'm wrong, but probably in 2024. But yeah. in 2023, with the, the ever-changing landscape, the NFC, you've got a fourth-place schedule. You've got winnable games. Run the football. Run the football, get multiple backs. You already have multiple tight ends. You can be competitive on offense overnight. We saw it with what he did last year in Cleveland. There's a big part of that Cleveland offense. Did you even say his name, Nick Chubb? I mean, I didn't know. He's no. one of the best running backs in the league. And that draft that, a back. Go get a back. Well, exactly. That that's that's gonna be one of the things that they're gonna be missing and that they're gonna need to identify this offseason. And that's not a knock on James Conner. I thought James Conner was legit at the end of the last season, his last seven games, seven rushing touchdowns, yeah. receiving touchdown. He was solid, right? But you know what you get with with James Conner as far as relying on him to to take on a workload like Nick Chubb. I think it would be naive to try to do that. So they do need to kind of find a complimentary back or or somebody that that they can 
you know, push some of the, the workload onto his shoulders. And it doesn't seem like last year gave you any confidence that that's Keontae Ingram, right? So yeah. you've got to f- figure it out. Is it going to be through the draft? Is it going to be somebody that you, you recognize through free agency? You obviously don't want to spend a lot of money on a, on a running back. So I think that's going to be key in order to, to kind of have that where if, if the passing game isn't working, to be able to play a little bully ball to and establish the run and, and kind of get the offensive run going, get the run game going, and then you can incorporate the play action, it's going to come down to finding somebody that can tote the rock and, and, and kind of take on some of the, the, the excess workload that you, would, you couldn't give to James Conner. And James Conner, I, I love him. We had him. We had him on the show. I think he would probably even tell you behind closed doors, like, I, yeah, I can't hold up if I have 100 percent of the touches. I don't right? know, man. They remember we were concerned about that at the end of last season, and, and then he took it on, and he seemed to do fine. He really did. But they need look, an error. But there's a track record there. There's an undeniable yeah. track record that I, I hear you. I hear you. And, and I think I'm somebody of the mindset. I don't know how we got off on running backs, but I I don't like using early picks on them. But I do understand yeah. where these two guys came from. They took Derrick Henry in the what the second round. Yeah. Chubb was a second round pick. Kareem Hunt was a third round pick. Miles Sanders was a third round pick. Who's, who that could seems, re, where could you recoup an extra one of those second or third round? Picks? Uh, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't met with John and Gannon, right. and he's he's saying all the right things publicly. I can't wait to get my hands on him. Well, yeah, maybe not. Uh, Monty Austin Ford was on local radio today, 98.7. They were cranking out. They're playing the hits today. Give us some love. Bring us over Bring us over the GM or the head coach. But in all seriousness, they do a great job, 98.7. But they had a quote. Uh, Monty Austin Ford said, I had a great talk with D-Hop a couple weeks ago. I explained to him what my philosophy was. Um, very different than what Jonathan Gannon said, who said, uh, we can't wait to get our hands on him. Monty was very much like, yeah, I, I told him what I was going to do. Uh, and that's kind of how they left it. So uh, we're very much of the mindset on this show that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traded. Uh, I see a lot of talk on the Twitter streets, like we need to restructure and extend Hopkins. I would be shocked beyond belief if that happened. The Cardinals want to recoup cheap assets to build for the future. We love D-Hop. I wish D-Hop was 21 years old. I'd give him a 10-year contract. Mm -hmm. He's He's about to be over 30, and he's missed games each of the last two seasons. And they, I think they purposely held him out at the end of the year so he was healthy and ready to go to be dealt um, right around this time. So what, what are your thoughts here on hearing Jonathan Gannon's comments, kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit yeah. about D-Hop? Just basically, that's coach speak, right? Well, I mean, I asked I asked him. I, I asked yeah. it was, it was both, to both Drew and Jonathan, and I said, because I was expecting Gannon to at least say that he's talked to him. But Gannon's been employed since last Tuesday. He hasn't talked to De- to DeAndre Hopkins, and that's not me, you know, knocking Gannon at all. I mean, I just think that that's more yeah. writing on the wall uh, to say that this is something that is is almost inevitable at this point, unless they just yeah. they couldn't recoup anything beyond like a fourth round pick, which would be absurd for a guy who's still playing at such a high level. Uh, but you're right, 31 years old. He, you heard him on Hard Knocks. You've heard him in interviews talk about you know his legacy and be asked about his legacy and how he wants to be a Hall of Fame receiver. If you look at his resume, he's got pretty much everything except for what a title. And mm-hmm. he want at 31 years old, where you know there's not being on that the, his shelf life is is getting you know shorter and shorter. Uh, he, he's not Larry Fitzgerald. He's the exception to the rule. 
DeAndre Hopkins, if he wants to contend for a title, it's got to start like this season because he's got what right. two, three more years max. Um, so I think that the, it would be mutually beneficial for both sides from what we're hearing. All these comments from Monty, from Monty and Bidwell and Gannon and where they're what they're eyeing the retool their draft philosophy and scouting philosophy for 2024. The way you do that is creating more assets from your current assets, and you know De- DeAndre Hopkins is is probably your your most valuable tradable asset that you have right now. Not that probably. Other teams are going to want. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. And I get a lot of this from other teams. But Johnny, he already got traded for a second, and it's a diminishing piece. And blah blah blah. No, motherfucker. It's like the housing <laughs> market. It's all about timing, right? Your house two years ago may not be worth what it is right now because the housing market changed. Interest rates change. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I overpaid Maricopa. I can't wait to sell this house <laughs> and move closer to all of you. At the end of the day, go check out what's available in the 2023 free agent market for wide receivers. Not great. They're not trading the Cincinnati Bengals T. Higgins. They're franchise tagging him. They're not letting him go. So it's like, okay, well, let me take a look. It's a lot of Odell Beckhams. It's a lot of Juju Schmidt-Schuster, DJ Chark, Jacoby Myers. Any of those guys sniff DeAndre Hopkins' jock scrap, even at 30 years old? Hell no. And so you compound that, Bo, with the fact that this receiver class in the draft could have some gems, right? We'll get high on some people. There's no, I don't know, uh, Jamar Chase. There's no Savant top 10 Locked. We like the kid from TCU. I've seen some mock drafts. He's going like the back half of the first round. Who is the only plug-and-play Pro Bowl caliber receiver that will be available? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And if somebody like Green Bay, if they bring back Aaron Rodgers, said that's the piece to get us over the top, okay, give us your first-round pick. I, I think the people who are selling themselves short that D-Hop is going to be you know, worth a third and a fourth with his con- – no, 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 no. Look at what's available and then come back to the table and say, yeah, we can't do anything better. We can throw a bunch of lottery tickets in the draft. That's what the Cardinals are going to do. But if you're trying to win this year and you feel like DeAndre Hopkins can put you over the top, you're going to trade a premium pick for him. And that's what's going to happen. The Cardinals are going to get true value for Hop. And who's the top draft prospect at the wide receiver position? Uh, not like the last two seasons. It's no. not like where you're just like, oh, yeah, Jamar Chase, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jamison Williams um, or, or Garrett Wilson. It's in Drake London. It's not that deep of a class. I'm yeah. sure you can find some value. But if the Chicago Bears try to take all this momentum that they have from Justin Fields and then they run back out Chase Claypool and a second round wide receiver, their fan base is going to go. They're going to riot. And yeah. if they've got an opportunity to couple him like the Cardinals did early in Kyler Murray's career. Uh, yeah. and, and they don't take it with the draft capital and the cap space that they have, I think that would be, the, I mean, it'd be as ignorant as it gets. Yeah, Blake in the chat, Quentin Johnson, pretty nice. Yeah, I would love him on the Absolutely. team. Absolutely. But he's never played a snap a down in the NFL, right? J- Justin Jefferson was he the fourth. He looked great streaking down, you know, State Farm Stadium. He did. <laughs> My poor guy, Jim Harbaugh, they had nobody to cover him that day at the Fiesta Bowl. But Justin Jefferson was the fourth receiver taken in that first round and right. by far, in a way, is the best. Jerry right. Judy, not great. We know what happened to Henry Ruggs. We love CeeDee Lamb, but he's not Justin Jefferson. So I just... Jalen Regar? Yeah, not great. And I think, and here's <laughs> something else I'm going to put in everybody's ear. I think this trade gets done sooner rather than later. Because the deeper you go into draft season, but we know this, teams talk themselves more and more into the prospects. 
Whereas we're at the height of free agency kicking off on March 15th. Would not be surprised if this trade happened before then. We remember when it all went down with Steve Kime and Bill O'Brien, it was at the Combine. So does Monty Austin Fort and company put out some feelers next week when we're at the Combine? And that's going to be topic number one when we talk to all the NFL insiders on this show is what's the latest with D-Hop? Is D-Hop yeah. going to get dealt for how much? But I mean, like I, I would say right now, I would it would not surprise me if they got a first round pick for him. I'm not expecting that, but you get two teams that are pitting up against each other for him and somebody's got a late first round pick, they might as well just like, screw it. He's better than yeah. anything we're going to get in the draft. We're trying to win. We're trying to win. Right. Like what, what would happen if a team, not Buffalo, but a Buffalo S team that cannot get over the hump and their, their first round picks not going to help them this year. Okay. We can go get D hop. We, we didn't even know D hop was available. Remember teams were calling per Jordan Schultz, the Cardinals at the trade deadline last year to try to get D hop. So I don't think anybody's scared off by the suspension he had last year. Yeah. And, and to answer a question in the chat or, or a statement in the chat saying the bears don't have a second round pick. Yeah. They did trade it for Claypool, but they also recouped one from Baltimore. I believe they have like 56th overall uh, in this year's draft. But I mean, Baltimore is a team that you could look at, no that, that, no you know, do they want to pick late in the first round or do they want to get a stud wide receiver if they end up moving forward with, with Lamar Jackson and we'll see what happens with that. But um yeah, I, I think that they're going to be, you know, as far as the lack of top flight wide receivers available, you know, you can, you can absolutely get, I, I still think it's probably a second round pick, but you can, probably. You, you're not going to get laughed off the phone by saying, hey, if you got a late first, let's talk about it. He's a generational, all decade kind of player. And I do think outside of these hiccups recently, his game will age well because it's not yeah. predicated on, on front what lines. Kansas speed. City just replaced Juju with DeAndre. I mean, that's, that's a very that's plausible situation. Yeah. yeah. They're just saying, hey, you know what? Everybody thinks they're big. Like, what if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Raiders? They're throwing a party and they're just like, hey, we just traded for D Hop. <laughs> Get to the back of the line where you belong. I mean, I could easily see them doing something like that. And I could see somebody like D hop. I don't know this definitively taking less money to play with Patrick Mahomes. We don't know. And what do you think the Broncos would do with their new defensive coordinator? Do you think he, he would think that that's a good, good hang on. Let's change. we're going to talk about that here in a second, but first I want to talk to everybody about <laughs> underdog fantasy. Uh, I don't know who this Cardinal skill players are going to be next, next football season, but I know under drew Petzing, I'm going to be dabbling on underdog fantasy. I'm going to be drafting Jacoby Brissett potentially early on. Uh, and it's not just predicated on football, friends. Underdog Fantasy does fantasy sports differently, including the NBA. Draft your team against five of your friends. The highest scoring squad for that night wins the cold hard cash. You can also draft up to six NBA players with no positional limits. That's it. It's like I'm refreshing Underdog Fantasy like every single day. When is Kevin Durant available for my team? Not tomorrow, but into next week. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, and in all seriousness, guys, uh, underdog fantasy, I've pivoted off of year-long fantasy. It's not my jam anymore. Too many busts for me, like Cam Akers this year, where I damn near had to spend 24 hours at a Waffle House. Thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Underdog fantasy, they don't put me in those kind of positions, like our GM Saul Bookman and that maniac Shane Diefenbach. No, no, no. I feel safe with underdog fantasy. You should, too. It's so easy to get started. Go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app, Sign up with promo code PHNX. Get this. Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. I know you guys have heard this read before, and you keep thinking to yourself, man, oh, man, I better get on this before I lose that hundy. It's still available. Go get it right now. All you got to do, download the app, use the promo code PHNX, 
Get that free Hyundai. When you put in a Hyundai, they're going to match anything up to 100. You don't have 100 to spare? 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 25 bucks, 10 bucks. Whatever you want to do, do it with Underdog Fantasy Bow. Get in on the action today. You're done with year-long fantasy. I'm done with a certain Swedish furniture company that has the worst instructions of all time. You're sitting there trying to put together a frug dresser, and you're just you're just lost. You have nowhere to go. You're missing parts. You have no idea what to do with it. And then you thought, damn it, I should have gone to more furniture. I should have listened to Johnny and Bo. I should have just gone and made it easy on myself. More furniture. You can unlock 25% off. Still from the President's Day sale, just go to their website, morefurniture.com. Check out what they have. They've got custom furniture. They've got all the things that you want. They've got some deals right now, some door busters. How about the Bolero two-power recliner that we have, Ooh. the black ones, the nasty ones that we have that are in our in our living space here where we watch games? They're unbelievably so comfortable. They look sleek. They would look perfect in your your man cave. Do we still have those? Is, is that still something we can say? Can we just say? Uh, yeah. Where you watch family hangout? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How about a two power sofa? You can get that one in brown. It's under 1300 bucks. You can find something that's going to make your dining room, your living room, your bedroom, your kids' rooms all look great and all for an affordable price. And you can get that white glove delivery as well, where they can put it together. No more looking at directions, no more looking for pieces that you think are lost. You can find it and it's all put together in the white glove delivery. Put exactly where you want, thanks to More Furniture. Check them out, morefurniture.com. That's M-O, furniture.com. Check them out as well, 44th Street and McDowell. Uh, this is not breaking news, but I, I want to share it because we've been talking about Isaiah Simmons. But this is from Daniel Popper, covers the Chargers, and I think it's relevant for our conversation. Um, Kenneth Murray, <laughs> linebacker, I think he went to Oklahoma, was a yeah. first-round pick the year Isaiah Simmons came out. Had a better rookie year than Isaiah Simmons, was hurt in 2021. Had a decent year in 2022. Not as robust as Isaiah, but he's a true linebacker. Guess what the Chargers are not going to do? They're not going to pick up his fifth-year option Hmm. Uh, with a defensive head coach, with a team that, I don't know, do they value linebackers or not? I'm just saying. Like, Are we we starting to see a trend here with that position where teams are valuing it less and less? But I wanted to throw that out there. I also want to throw out – if you haven't seen this you're already, you're just crushing Isaiah today. I'm not. I'm yeah. trying to prepare you people. You? No one pre- won't come on the show. No, he snubbed us. Now I'm anti Isaiah <laughs> Simmons. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I talk shit about you. Don't uh, get fooled this, again. Right. Don't get fooled again. <laughs> uh, so in all seriousness, Vance Joseph, Michael Bidwell, not picking up the tab for old VJ anymore yeah. because he stood out and waited patiently, and he's a great human being, high-character guy. And he's got a new D.C. job, and it's back home with our friends at DMVR. Vance Joseph, the new defensive coordinator under Sean Payton in Denver. Bo, your initial reaction. What a shock. What a shock. <laughs> well, look, did you see the the finalists for that job? Uh, yeah, it was like a horror show. It was, it was Rex Ryan. Yeah. Who was the third guy in that? It was Rex Ryan. It was another. It was another. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, that's right. I mean, talk about just a, it's either like a crap sandwich or I, I don't know, or I, it, it's, it was awful. It was awful options. And surprisingly, I think that as far as Vance Joseph having the ceiling of an average DC, that's great. That's good yeah. for them. You know, I, I just, I made the same point that you made on KOA on DMV Broncos today, DMVR Broncos today, where I just, I couldn't say, definitively which player he developed and took 
to a solid level for the Arizona Cardinals. I like what I saw from Byron Murphy, but you know, he's not, he wasn't extended. Zach Allen, the same thing. He's a guy that's going to hit the open market. And when, when guys hit the open market, it's because, you know, they didn't do enough to warrant an extension. And, and that, that falls on the shoulders of your defensive coordinator. And uh, you know, I, it's, I just think you're going to put Vance Joseph in the AFC West and he's going up against, like we mentioned, Mahomes. We saw how that went this year. Yeah. And potentially Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, that that's going to be a brutal season for the, for the Broncos. And, man, did they just kind of misplay this one as far as their entire coaching search. Now, yeah, I mean, they, they were the one that didn't shy away uh, from, from when it came down to it, paying Sean Payton and paying what it costs as far as draft capital and got him. But, man, they are, they're not exactly in the most envious situation. I, I, was, say, I was telling the guys, like, at DMVR Broncos, Zach and, and Henry, like this Jonathan Gannon relationship feels like it was a cheap date that went really well, right? Yeah. Like you had zero expectations, but you hit it off and you were just going and doing something fun. You went and just played, you found your own fun. You went and played like mini golf and it went off crazy. And then you went and got drinks afterwards. But this one seems like it was the one that you were, you're recording somebody for a long time. You finally got the date and then you tried to do it and it just wasn't great. You just hit, didn't hit it off. It just yeah. feels that way. I love this comment from Elver in the chat. Uh, Patrick Sertam going to be rushing the passer. It's funny because it's true and it's sad in all actuality. He's going to be rushing RK, the passer and Randy Gregory is going to be dropping the coverage. Yeah. I uh, I think this our guy RK at DMVR had a really good tweet from a Broncos perspective because in large part you can't discount the relationship that Bronco fans had with VJ, which, I mean, let's be honest. Anytime we see our peeps at v- DMVR, it was – not good for Vance Joseph with, with Bronco fans. Now, it, does the caveat mean, well, you got to take Vance because you got Sean Payton? That's something we would have talked ourselves into. We, we kind of explored that very, very briefly on this show. But RK said as much on Twitter today, saying he's coming to a place where he has no leash with the fans and he'll be the scapegoat for any subpar defensive performance. And he's not looking forward to that dynamic. Got to give credit for accepting the challenge. We know he's never one to back away from a challenge. He's a high character guy, but it just seems like why didn't they just keep Avero? Like right. he's a better defensive coordinator right now. That's yeah. indisputable. He was a hot commodity. That's indisputable. I think the funniest aspect of all of this that I really want to point and laugh to because we grave dance on this show, how the fan base in Philadelphia shit on Jonathan Gannon and his staff. They have no defensive coordinator. They have no heir apparent. The Cardinals stole him. They wanted to hire Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph. It sounds like maybe got paid that sweet, sweet Walmart money to bail on Philadelphia, to go to Denver, to go back to Denver. Maybe you wanted to stay on the West Coast. Who knows? The Philadelphia Eagles, life comes at you fast, friends, in the, in the you know in Philadelphia with the Rocky statue. Maybe he can coordinate your defense. You got no one right now. <laughs> if there's one team I am hedging for a fierce regression next year, it is Philadelphia. Both coordinators gone. Uh, Jason Kelsey about to retire. Bunch yeah. of free agents. They wanted Jonathan Gannon out of town. Well, this is what you get. Be careful what you wish for. How's 500 sound? How's 8-9 yeah. sound, Philadelphia? Hey, yo, uh, it can be your, your defensive coordinator. <laughs> that's my Rocky impression. That's my, that's my Sly Stallone. Hey, yo. That's good. That's solid. Yeah. Hey, yo. But, yeah, Vance Joseph is willing to go back to the place where he went 11-20 and 20 as a head coach and was yeah. just basically thrown out of town. 
He went to college at CU, right? He started as a as a as a backup quarterback. Yeah, for the for the Buffs, and maybe he he wanted to just go back to that part of the country and, and get paid a mint to do it. And that's fine, but like to Zach Stevens's points, like I was listening to him after I, I joined him, it was like, what are your expectations? What's a what's a solid season for this defense under Vance Joseph? He's like, I can't say that it's a top ten defense because he's never had a defense perform at a top ten level. Ever. You can look at the advanced statistics and it's like, I think they were sixth or seventh last year in DVOA, right? But that was with a, you know, you get five games from Watt and you got, you know, great play from Chandler Jones and, and crew, but like. That defense was stacked. It was absolutely was stacked. deep. It was deep. Robert Alford played really well for like 11 games. It's just, he's, he's just an average coordinator. And that maybe they were just, that's the ceiling. Bail water for a year. What about that super staff that Sean Payton promised? Remember those bullshit Vic Fangio leaks? Like, I'm getting Vic Fangio. We're getting the band back together. It's it's going to be a mega staff wherever Sean Payton goes. It, it's legitimately like off-the-rack goodwill coaches. I'm sorry, in, uh, in Denver. Like, so much so that I think a Denver reporter or beat reporter or somebody, I sent you a screen capture of it, was like, what is they, what are they doing? They don't have anybody on staff. To which Sean Payton was so like sensitive to the comment, he had to reply to it. I think he, they've since deleted the engagement, but uh, if you can go find it, check it out. Yeah. Basically saying, like, we've hired everybody. We'll let you know when we're ready yeah. to unveil it. And then they're like scrambling to get Manson off or like, it seems like, right. again, we don't, we don't have sour the, grapes on this all show. All the Broncos fans are like, yeah, we have get 16. Him. <laughs> get him, Sean. Uh, yeah, Vance Joseph potentially could be facing off against Herbert, Rodgers, and Mahomes. Six times total next year in the eight. Like the Cardinals could not stop teams in the shit NFC with <laughs> shitty offenses. And he, we saw what happened when Vance had to coordinate against those AFC defenses. Man, I just, it feels like unless you've got an offense that's humming, that's elite, that he can compliment like he did, and you got some cornerstone players that are veterans, it it's not a unit that I, I thought had promised long-term. But he, I mean, Buddhas and Zavins, they love him. They wanted to be the head coach. Thankfully, Michael didn't listen to that. But yeah, we, we wish him well because he's a great human being. He's a great guy. He was right. always cordial to Bo and I uh, when we've had a chance to connect with him. But he is, he just can't develop young players. Uh, and for the yeah. Cardinals in particular, that's a, that's a no start. This, this is not a group in the def, in the Denver Broncos defense that is like just a plug and play, right? And it's just like, no. okay, I know exactly what to do with it. It still has some parts that need to develop and it's like remember the oklahoma pass rusher benito and you're like oh yeah, yeah. he's got some promises like farewell to his potential i mean he's barely right. gonna see the playing field they're gonna bring in dennis gardeck or when he gets released and they're gonna bring in tanner vallejo and those guys are gonna take snaps thank god they don't have a first round pick that they could potentially use on a first rounder i mean <laughs> on the defensive side of the football because they, he probably wouldn't play so no i mean well respected. Oh <laughs> Elite graphics by my phone. This was on Nickelodeon. Baker Mayfield put 51 points up on the Broncos defense. That was coordinated by Avero. Now it's coordinated by Vance Joseph. Bradley Chubb's not in that building any longer. Like the, the no. as far as like elite ceiling guys, you've got Simmons and you've got PS2. I mean, other otherwise, you got guys that need to be well coached, and you got guys that need to be developed, and they have to be in the right spot. Though that was not Vance Joseph's defense uh, ever. 
Um, we we wish Vance well. That was a great graphic. Out for, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm the graphic specialist here. I steal all my graphics from everybody on Twitter. Um, but in yeah, all Gannon seriousness, Ball, is Gannon Ball right? Is Hassan Reddick? He's th- he's throwing a party right now, like they did. No, no. You asked me who did Vance develop while in Arizona. I think that's that's his one kind of saving grace is he told the Cardinals, cut the shit, move Hassan Reddick to outside linebacker. And sure. he did that at the end of his first year. So he probably I mean, made was, that was nece- that was out of necessity that season, though. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they would. He'd still be he'd probably be like a practice squad inside backer at this point. They, they lost Chandler Jones for the bulk of that season. And he, mm-hmm. he had 12 and a half sacks. Oh, man. I Not said playing. Justin Simmons. I mentioned Ty. Yeah, I said yeah Simmons, Simmons. And, and Patrick Sertain. We wish our friends in Denver well. <laughs> you know what could help? Uh, you know, are you rooting against Sean Payton though? I, I am. am. I'm anti. Yeah. I'm anti Broncos. I'm not anti DMVR. I want DMVR to succeed with our friends RK and company. But I'm anti Broncos. Mm-hmm. So, however we can do that, uh, let me know. I'm going to let you know <laughs> about our friends at Roman. Yes. Oh, yes. I get to do this read today. I missed it last week. I get to double and triple down. Talk about how it is fantastic using Roman. Do you want a better sex life? If so, you are not alone. We're taking a hard right turn from Vance Joseph. Roman is here to help. Roman is the digital health clinic for men addressing a variety of sexual health needs and offering genuine medication that helps achieve and maintain, you guessed it, a strong erection. Roman offers discreet wipes that help you last four times as long in bed. Get those wipes going, my man. In men with low testosterone, getting testosterone levels back to normal can help increase your libido. It's all about the T word, testosterone. Roman offers a testosterone test, which includes lab processing. This is not like a little home test. They send it out to people in white coats. This is a lab that's working on it. (laughs) And if it's appropriate for you. Beakers and stuff? Yeah. Fucking (laughs) test tubes and shit. Mortar pestle doing this shit. Uh, You need treatment for this low testosterone. They have got you covered. And get this, no waiting rooms, no hassle. Straightforward. Digital experience from the comfort of your own home. I don't want to go talk to people about my sexual experience anywhere but my house. If medication or testing is appropriate, Roman will send it directly right to your door. Plug and play, if you will. Everything arrives in discreet packaging with free, how about this, two-day shipping. Eat that, other shipping providers. It is where you want to be for an increased beneficial sexual experience to learn more about how you can achieve your personal sexual health goals, go to ro.co slash phnx to get 20% off your entire first order. That's ro.co slash phnx. I hope that can help somebody out. Yeah, absolutely. Love our friends over at Roman. Uh, we've got, we're double dipping today. Woo! Let's That's tell right. the folks what we're doing tonight. We're gonna be. It's the season premiere of Cardinals Flight Plan. If you loved joining us after dark for Hard Knocks or our we Card Knocks did. episodes, uh, I don't know if we don't have any guests lined up like then, or we can burn any bridges with the NFL or NFL films. Uh, but we'll, we're gonna be watching the Flight Plan episode tonight, which should yeah. show a lot behind the scenes uh, of this off season so far. And it, I think most episodes are like what twenty minutes, right? Yeah, so it kicks off at 7. We got confirmation. We're going to be going live at 8. So okay. watch the show on YouTube. Then keep YouTube up. Go get a cold one. Go get a brewski or some wine or whatever you want. 
and then come back at eight o'clock. Bo and I are going to recap the episode. We're going to screw around. We're going to have some fun. We're, we're all about having fun this off season. We want to do more cards after darts just to give me an excuse to drink. Um, so again, that's tonight, 8 PM. But in the meantime, like, and subscribe, leave us a five star. We got our guy, Arise in the chat, dollar 99 super chat Lamar to Indy for the number four thoughts. Uh, number four pick. What are your thoughts on that? I don't hate it. Um, I, I think Lamar is getting traded, but here's, here's a, a scenario I got posed with earlier today, Bo. What would be the compensation needed for the Cardinals to go from three to four? Let's say mm -hmm. that, let's say the Bears traded Justin Fields to Atlanta and they took a quarterback and Houston took a quarterback. And then the Cardinals are sitting there at three and Indy wants Will Levis or Richardson or whomever's available. What do you think they would have to give up to go from three to four? Uh, I mean, we've seen it with like the bears did that with the Niners a couple of years ago. Yeah. So they can move up one spot and get Mitch Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I think you, you start, you could ask for a, a second round pick or, or something like that. I, I mean, it's not, it's could not you, too steep. Could you imagine if that happened when the Cardinals pick four and they get an impact player, then they have pick 34 and pick 35 and a second for D hop and two thirds. I mean, you want to talk about kickstarting this rebuild. I'm giddy just thinking about it. Maybe a first right. next year. Well, I'm glad you're Blake. getting on board. I mean, I mean, you I don't are, love the idea of trading, trading it. Every time I refresh Twitter, they're talking about that pass rusher for Texas Tech. I want to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> but if if this franchise, if, feel, if they feel like they're in it for the long haul, they're building something sustainable, I can't be pissed at them for acquiring more, more draft compensation. But I love me some Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. I don't want to lose them. I think we didn't, you weren't on the show, but, uh, you know, Detroit has two first round picks, you know, they're at six and I think 18 that, that would help. I mean, it, six gets a little murkier as far as who you're looking at prospect wise, you know, Wilson could be there You know, miles Murphy. You could start to look at some of the offensive linemen at that pick. Um, I mean, you can look at the top corner in the draft. I think that it's something to to look into, obviously, because I feel like you're in Detroit's position a couple of years ago, where mm -hmm. they were kind of in in uh, asset acquisition and in kind of starting their rebuild, and now they're on the tail end of that, and they're looking for a guy like Jalen Carter that Brad yeah. Holmes would want to pick up and and cap off the rebuild and couple him on that front seven with an Aiden Hutchinson. Well, you've got relationships now with Tennessee, New England, Cleveland, Minnesota. Philadelphia and Detroit. I mean, teams that all love to wheel and deal in the draft. I mean, we know Philadelphia loves to trade up, trade down. Uh, the Cardinals are going to have plenty of offers. We offer you an opportunity to go subscribe to the PHNX Cardinal podcast, wherever you get your podcast like this video right now. We're coming off our biggest month to date. That's because of all of you just on the heels of the 2023 NFL combine where Bo and I will be live every single day. Catch us later tonight. Cards after dark, 8 p.m. Like and subscribe. For Bo Brock, I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you tonight.